Hello and welcome to episode three of From the Hangar. Uh, my name is Nathan. I am your host for today. And uh, one of the goals of this podcast is to connect you uh, a little bit deeper with the ministry of MAF and the people behind it, uh, obviously. And one of the things that we were talking about when I was with my team and, and we were coming up with this podcast was uh, how do we include uh, the incredible work that's being done at the hangar? And I think that this is a great episode to intro that. Uh, one of the things that you will notice is uh, you may be hearing a little bit of construction noise behind us. Uh, it's exciting construction noise uh, because we're actually opening up uh, and building on uh, some offices to our current hangar. So the way that our HQ kind of area is formed essentially is we have an administration building which is kind of where I sit where like our finance team sits it's our people team all of that uh, and then we have two hangers and those two hangers house uh, some of our airplanes like the one that we're in currently this was actually opened up earlier this year late last year maybe something like that yeah last yeah. year yeah. yeah last year um and so we have the second hangar and then we have a another hangar uh actually to the south of us that uh has us some more airplanes we do some maintenance over there do some mm -hmm. training over there or, uh some offices are over there as well and so uh you're hearing some exciting construction because we get to expand our our space a little bit more and and grow it um one of the people that actually sits over in the hangar uh, to my right is Eric. And I'm super, super excited that you're on the podcast uh, here today. Eric Paradiso Rivera is a flight instructor here at MAF. Uh, he serves here at, at the hangar uh, at HQ and, and does a bunch of training. And so I'm super excited that uh, he's the first guest that we get to kind of exp explain a little bit of the impact uh, that's happening here at headquarters. So, Eric. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for inviting me, Nathan. Absolutely. Appreciate stoked, it. Uh, stoked to be here. Before you introduce yourself, I actually have a fun little fact for the audience. We were both started as interns in 2017. That is right. Yeah, yes, I we remember went, now. Yeah. yeah, do you remember the <laughs> retreat that we went on? Yes, and, we, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Murdoch that was Trust. Fun. And, yeah. yeah, that was great. So I'm like, as I was going through and doing all my like, pre show research and everything, I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, we started around <laughs> the same time. That's so fun. Yeah, so, I'm glad that you stay. Yeah, th thanks. Me too. I'm also glad that you're here. Yeah. So um, <laughs> with that, Eric, uh, go ahead and I know you a little bit, but yeah, tell the audience a little bit about who you are and yeah, go ahead yeah. and introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Eric Paradiso. Um, I am be I have been married to my wife Joanna for the last six years, and will be actually seven years uh, at the end of this month. Hey, congratulations! Uh, yeah, we have three kids, uh, three boys, twin boys, and a little one that is uh, about sixteen months old. And uh, yeah, I was um, I was born in a small island in the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, uh, in a small town in the south of the island. I uh, grew up to a Catholic home, uh, no real knowledge of the love of Christ. Mm. Um, growing up, um, I enjoy aviation from early age. Um, and uh, yeah, I, throughout my life, I really felt like I really wanted to be somebody, right? I wanted mm. to really do something out there that um, impact. And, uh, but at an early age, I also began to struggle with a lot of uh, sin in my life. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, alcohol was one of the things that was really heavy, uh, for me and depression. And, uh, as a result of that, um, I used the alcohol f as mm. a medicine, Absolutely. uh, for that depression. And, but I was still very, uh, excited to just be somebody in life and do something impactful. So... Um, when I moved from Puerto Rico in, uh, 2010, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. 
because I had a friend there that um, offered me to stay with them, and I was very thoughtful of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I stayed with them, and uh, during that time, I met uh, somebody that, for the first time, spoke the gospel to me in a different way, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I never heard it before. And it was all through caring and prayer. It was, oh. hey, I see you're, you're um, struggling right now. And uh, I would love to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And I always felt like, yeah, I don't mind people praying for me. Why not? Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. I'll take that. And uh, so I, I pray. This person prayed for me. And uh, for the first time in my life, I felt like somebody mm. uh, cared and mattered for me. And uh, so I, uh, I went through a series of uh, things in that year, in 2010, 2000, and, uh, through, from 2010 to 2012, where I really felt like. Yeah, this is the bottom. I hit, I hit mm. pretty much the bottom of of what can be really um, bad for me right yeah. now. And uh, during that time, the Lord reminded me of this person mm. who prayed for me and cared in that time, and that was actually a supervisor of mine cool. at work. And um, so I decided to give him a call and uh, say, "Hey, you know, um, I." Uh, I'm going through a really difficult time in my life right now. I really want to know if uh, I really want to know that God mm. that you know. Awesome. You know, and uh, this person said, "Oh, hey, come over, uh, come over to my house. We can have some dinner, and you can meet my family, and maybe at the at the end we can read the Bible. Is that okay with you?" And I thought that would be great. You know, wow. I had this Bible, Spanish and English Bible, that a friend of mine gave me <laughs> like a year or so before. Okay. That was just taking dust on my table. I never read it. I never really, again, I grew up a, as a Catholic and I really f- never felt like that was just like, my my parents went to church and all that, but mm-hmm. never really, never stayed. We we were in and out. We really never felt like that was a thing. And um, so the Bible was there just collecting dust and I grabbed that Bible from the mm-hmm. table and I said, okay, I'm going to just take it to my friend's house and. I guess we're gonna read something about awesome. it today, and that was uh, that was the beginning of something really beautiful. The Lord was orchestrating in my mm-hmm. life. Um, that family, actually, um, a month later after I was invited for dinner, invited me to live with them. Wow! And uh, I was quite surprised because I was still a non-believer, um, and I was still struggling with sin in my life. Yeah. And for this family, it was. Her, it was a husband and a wife and three kids, and I thought, man, you don't want the, you don't want this person that still struggle with alcohol and seeing mm. their life to be around, and uh, they're like, no, we do, we want you to be around. Um, I, we believe this is the best place for you to be. Awesome. And a month later, I was on my knees giving my mm. life to Christ on front of their couch in their living room, yeah. where they offered me to stay, and uh, and uh, the Lord took away the alcohol mm. desire in my life right away awesome. and i just celebrated 11 years uh, in june that's of awesome. uh sobriety that's big and time. so that's Jeez. very exciting yeah um you know um alcohol and depression the depression actually took some time yeah. for the lord to deliver me f- from that you know it's interesting how you can be born in a city mm. but you can be isolated and actually, we go to isolated places around the world, and these are the people who are the most family-oriented. They're all together. Yeah. They're, they're working uh. as a team. 
But you can be in a city and you can be very isolated. Absolutely. And that's how I grew up. I grew up in the city in Puerto Rico, and I was, but I was very isolated. And uh, that led also, you know, to the, to the depression and not trust many people. Mm -hmm. So the Lord wanted me, he wanted to redeem me mm -hmm. on that area. But he wasn't just going to do that as he did with alcohol, like desire is gone. Absolutely. No, he wanted me to grow in faith. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, through people at my church. And uh, yeah, they. I remember very clearly a friend of mine, a mentor of mine telling me, you know, I think I know what's going on with you. And I thought, well, man, I have a lot of things wrong. Yeah, let's bring them on. Let's see what's, <laughs> what's going on. They said, I think that you're uh, you're entertaining your thoughts. Mm. I think that that's what's happening to you. And once you entertain your thought in your mind, it goes down to, into your heart. And once you see your heart, it becomes a stronghold. Mm. That's why you're depressed. The Lord says to take every thought captive mm -hmm. and to put it under the obedience of Jesus Christ. Nail it under that crust. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. That was hard. Uh, it's yeah. very hard to do that, yeah. but um, with help and uh, and the desire to just uh, trust the Lord, I really and obedience, I, I really was able to walk uh, in freedom from depression. Two years later, after I was safe. Awesome. And uh, yeah, that's that's my story. Hmm. I feel like there are so many things that you said there. Like realistically, we could probably just end the episode right there because I think you just <laughs> hit so many people. Um, in so many different ways. I think one of the main things that I latched on to was uh, this mentor of yours. And you said something that's really, really cool about how the way that he led you to Christ and the way that he um, really shared the gospel was through caring and prayer, right? Right. And I think that um, the, the thought of caring for somebody can be the largest statement that you can ever make about who Jesus mm. is, right? And and clearly that was one of the things for you, right? To the point mm. of when you were at what you would call your lowest of lows, you knew that somebody would still care for you even in that moment. And that's like such a beautiful piece yeah. of, of your story that I don't, I've never heard that before, but also like, I mean, it's encouraging to know like, yeah, man, sometimes just showing up is the best thing that you can absolutely do. It's about being Christ, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. And that's what he was doing. He was yeah. just being Christ and sharing his love yeah. and the love of Christ with me. And I was able to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you said something too about like, you wanted to do something. You wanted to be somebody, right? And I think it's so cool how um, your journey from Puerto Rico to Nashville, which I mean, Nashville is where everybody's moving. Somebody's, somebody probably watching this. I was like, hey, I just moved to Nashville too. Um, because a hundred people per day moved to Nashville. It's insane, right? I mean, I'm like, I thought Boise was growing fast. And then you see Nashville and Austin, and you're like, oh boy. Yeah. Um, but it's just so cool how your move to Nashville ended up putting you eventually to this space here in at headquarters where you are somebody and you are doing something mm -hmm. that um, is impacting generations, both directly with, um, which we'll talk about here in a little bit with like your involvement in your church, but also mm -hmm. uh, sometimes indirectly with the pilots that you're helping train that are going to the field that then are making this massive impact in, in isolated places. So you came to Nashville uh, with a purpose, and I want to get into that a little bit. So uh, you're obviously a pilot. You're also a mechanic. You hold your AMP license as well. And um, what you said this early of, earlier on of like you were always interested in aviation. Like what? Why was that? What made you want to be a pilot? And then also then on top of that, like what led you here to MAF and, mm -hmm. and serving in this way instead of so many different other ways that you could serve as a pilot? Right. That's a good question. Um, 
at a very early age, I was introduced to the world of aviation. Cool. My grandfather was a private pilot. Awesome. And I oh. believe I was probably four to five years old when he first took me on a flight. And then what he would dream. take me. Are you kidding me? He would let me take the controls. Cool. And I would fly the airplane over the coast of the island. Oh. And I was just like, oh my gosh, the world is so much beautiful from above, yeah, you know? Absolutely. And uh, I just began to feel interested uh, in aviation hmm. at that point. Cool. And then my father, um, if. If he will not take me to the airport, we will be at home building RC airplanes, remote control airplanes. Awesome. And that was another introduction to aviation in a different way. You know, we will be building remote control airplanes or mm -hmm. rockets, uh, line airplanes, paper airplanes, anything that fly. Awesome. Yeah. Love it, it was just like, so I was introduced to aviation in those two different ways there. And so I fell in love with it. Um, so as long as I... Remember, I think I wanted to be a pilot since I was four or five. Cool. From that first introduction with my grandfather. Awesome. So um, I grew up and decided, okay, I want to go to college and be a pilot. Mm. But aviation is really expensive. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I told my family, you know, I, I want to be a pilot. Can I do that? And there was only one college on the north of the island that uh, had the program, the aviation program. Very expensive on my family. You know, we were not able to afford that. Yeah. So they said, well, you know, how about you can be an accountant? And I was <laughs> like, okay, well, I guess I can be an accountant. And uh, so I went to a local college in my town and uh, to be an accountant uh, for one year. And I didn't do well. <laughs> like, this is not what I want to be doing. Either. This is like, I don't think this is, this is exciting for me. And, uh, and uh, so... I talked to my family again after that year, and they were like, hey, you didn't do well. This is, uh, you know, whether you go back to work and do something or, you know, but college, maybe not for you. And yeah. I said, well, I really want to be a pilot. Hmm. And I want to be an airline pilot. I wasn't thinking about missions or anything. Oh. I, again, I, I was not a believer in that. So I, <laughs> they said, well, it's really expensive. And my grandfather said, you know what? We can help. We can mm. help with some of that. And awesome. uh, because of my grandfather helping with funds, um, I was able to go to college on the north of the island. Awesome. Uh, it was uh, two hours away, so I couldn't drive there every day. I needed yeah. to stay there. Yeah. So I had to go to work, and I had three jobs. Oh. Plus, I was getting, uh, you know, college done and all that and getting my pilot licenses. And so that took some time. It took about five years to mm. get it done, yeah. but I was able to do that. And at the end of my, um, when I got my degree in aviation management, meanwhile, I was getting my pilot licenses at a small flight school there. Mm -hmm. I decided it's time for me to move to the United States okay. so I can learn English. Huh, um, cool. In Puerto Rico, we speak Spanish. And yeah. uh, so I didn't know English. And so I was, my goal is to become an airline pilot. And how can yeah. I do that if I don't know English? So. Yeah. Um, that's when I called my friend and they invited me to come over to Nashville. And then I continue with my aviation goals there. Cool. I got my commercial certificate in Nashville and I began to fly instruct while I was there. Cool. I worked as a fly instructor for about four years, three to four years there awesome. at a fly school in Nashville, Tennessee at the international airport. Cool. And there I gained a lot of experience. Yeah. yeah. While I was flying instructing, I got this call for missions. Hmm. I was on my way back. I remember very clearly I was on my way back. I had two vivid moments that I was like, yeah, this is what I need to do. One of them was calling out for the Lord for my purpose in life. Mm. I knew the Lord saved me. 
But I needed to know what the purpose was in life. And I was willing to give it all yeah. for that. Awesome. So I cry out to the Lord. I ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm. I'll give up anything. And uh, I remember very clearly feeling like the Lord speaking mission aviation, saying those words. Mm. And I just didn't know what it was. I was a brand new believer. This happened in 2013, uh, just a year after I became, after I got safe. And mm. what is mission aviation means? Yeah, you know, yeah, I've never been totally. to missions. I'm a new believer. And what is this? It's just two separate words that have always been two separate right. words. Right. And no uh, so I had to go home and, and search it. I remember going mission aviation and there it was, mission aviation fellowship. And I was like, so amazed hmm. that there was such thing yeah. that I could use my talents the, that the Lord had given me and my gifts mm -hmm. to glorify Him, yeah, to give it back to Him. Absolutely. Because it's His at the end of all. It's all mm -hmm. His. And I just thought, man, this is so exciting. I want to do this. And I looked through the requirements and I was like, oh, no, I need to become an, uh, an AMP, yeah. an airplane mechanic. And so I went back to school and I got my AMP. I remember very vivid another, it was a dream I had. And on this dream, I remember being on missions. And in this dream, I was in missions with the Lord, mm. which is very, it was a, it was like, a, almost like a vision. And mm -hmm. I, uh, I asked the Lord in that dream while mm. we were walking on the streets or sharing the gospel, where are we? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Where are we? And he said, we're in South America. And in, and uh, after that, I I just began to feel the the call for for South American mission, mm. and that's and later on maybe we can talk about it too yeah. about how the Lord led us that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I I began to feel like okay, like I'm gonna fill these requirements for MAF and join the organization. I contacted a recruiter, yeah, and the recruiter contacted me back and saying, hey, this is what you need. Let me meet with you and get all this together. And awesome. So, yeah, I uh, the Lord kept letting me to MAF. The doors kept opening. And uh, I uh, I needed some experience after I finished AMP school. I was fresh out of school. And uh, MAF had an internship yeah. open yeah. <laughs> for airplane mechanics. And, and uh, they said you had to raise support. But, you know, this would be a good, a good experience for you. Yeah. And... How, that's how I ended up in Idaho. I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I was married already. My wife had called for missions. She always felt like cool. that's what she wanted to do. And when I told her about it, it was interesting. I didn't know her parents was, they were in this area. I knew they were yeah. in Idaho. I didn't know where MAF was first. So I, I told yeah. her, MAF is somewhere in Idaho. I think it's, and then later on I found out it was in Nampa. And uh, She's like, oh, my goodness, my parents live in Emmett, Idaho. <laughs> That's like 30 minutes away from Nampa. Yeah. And I said, oh, that would be cool to actually maybe ask them if we can stay with them yeah, during the time sure. of the internship. And she's like, okay. So she called her dad, and her dad was like, of course, come over. Awesome. You can stay with us during that period. It was six months. Yeah. So we packed everything uh, we were ten months. We were married for ten months when we moved wow. out of Nashville. Wow! Packed everything and moved to Idaho That's and incredible. started the internship. I love it. Yeah. Um, there was something that you said in there that where you were like, I just felt like I needed to go search like mission aviation, and I naturally have this like very very like I hear that word that saying. And I think of a video of uh, Joycelyn uh, who passed away a couple of years ago, and uh, I don't know if you. Uh, 
remember this from a video that we did, um, but there was a piece of her story that she felt like she was walking out of a room and felt like somebody yelled like, you should Google mission aviation or missionary aviation, I think is what she said. And, uh, I just love the fact that um, everybody that ever hears that, whether it's just this thought that they have or, or a voice of the Lord or somebody that says it, they all are like, that's not a thing. Like, what do you mean? And then they Google it and they're like, this is like opening up a whole world of opportunities. So right. you said that and I was like, man, that's just such a unique piece of like so many people's stories within this. And, and maybe somebody on this podcast is going to hear like, I've never heard of missionary aviation or mission aviation and, mm-hmm. and they get the introduction to that. So, uh, you were talking about originally going to South America and I would love to get into that a little bit. And I know that, uh, for a while you were supposed to be going to Ecuador. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit about that experience and, and kind of, yeah. I know family's a massive part of that. And I know that those two are very interwoven together. And so, yeah, yeah if you don't mind, I would love to hear about how do you end up still in HQ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when uh, we did the internship 2017, at the end of that internship, we did a technical evaluation, and I was invited to come to MAF uh, to candidacy. And during that time, we were assigned to Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And we felt like when we came for uh, candidacy, we kind of already we heard other people talking about Ecuador. Uh, but also the uh, regional director talk about Ecuador. And, and during that time, we were like, oh, man, yeah, it's South America, it's Ecuador. Um, it helps that I know the language as well, so I can start helping as fast as I can because yep. I want to help with whatever he needed to. And at that point, it was they needed pilots. So, um, so yeah, we, we told the leadership at MAF that we would love to go to Ecuador and that time they it was interesting we heard oh man they haven't sent a missionary to ecuador in years you know like mm-hmm. we don't know if this is gonna happen but you know we just hold on to it we're like okay and we're okay whatever the lord send us anyway you know uh so f- a few days later they talked to us and told us ecuador is a place for you so cool. we're gonna send you that way we began raising support and during our raising support time we found out we were my wife was specting. Um, then later on, we found out we were specting twins. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then later on, we found out we were specting twins, and they were boys, and that one of them was having a birth defect mm. that affected his abdominal area. Mm. And one in 500,000 babies are born with this birth yeah. defect. Yeah. Uh, it's the most rare birth defect compatible with life. And Jeez. so they're telling us all these things. <laughs> and, you know, we were so excited. We were having boys and twins and it was just like wow this is all new to us it was our first the first time we were expecting yeah. it but at the same time it, it just feels like a tragic thing that totally. is happening to us and uh, but you know we had during the time we were raising support we met with so many people and those people when they talked to us they told us we will walk this walk with you mm-hmm. we will help you financially but we will also help you in prayer and uh, so whenever you need prayer, please let us know. So we begin to send massive ma- emails out there to people, letting them know, hey, we, this is what's going on. And Anyway, that year, 2018, we ended up in the hospital for four months. Mm-hmm. And uh, just two months with my wife with the pregnancy and two months with the boys in the NICU during that time, our son was, we quickly saw that, yeah, what the doctors were telling us was true. Mm. But at the same time, the doctors were saying that he was not going to live for four days. Hmm. 
He said there his fourth day is a max that we will Jeez. give him. And during that time, I remember thinking, man, I need to be in, in prayer, but also I need to be in the word mm. to be encouraged, you know, because I needed to be the husband for my wife during that time. But also <laughs> I needed I needed to stay strong, you cool. know, and uh, in my faith. Mm-hmm. And um, so I begin, I remember reading a verse in Corinthians that says, uh, do not place your trust in the. Uh, wisdom of man mm. but in the power of God mm. and I I just remember reading that and thinking what he says is do not you know trust to put your trust in the wisdom of the doctors mm. uh, but in the power of God yeah. and not nothing against the doctors you no. know the doctors were seeing what they were seeing Absolutely. and and they were correct uh, in in some ways but, uh, but I needed it for myself. Yeah. I needed to remain strong. Yeah. And that right there gave me the strength that I needed. Cool. Uh, so I kept trusting the Lord during that time. It's going to leave. It's going to leave no matter what, you know. And um, during the time that the boys were in the NICU, they had a, an archer, which is my son with a uh, birth defect. And he, he had a lot of surgeries. He went through many um, of them. And... Uh, he made it through more than four mm. days, and today he's four years old. Jeez! And uh, he is an amazing testimony to uh, yeah. the power of God can do. Yeah. Uh, you know, many people pray for that kid, mm-hmm. and I appreciate all those of you who pray for my son uh, because he really is alive today because of the prayers mm-hmm. you saying out there. And uh, so, yeah, because of that. We were unable to go to Ecuador. Mm-hmm. We we pray about it and. We felt like it was not a good idea to take our son to a place where there was not a good um, medical professional. And um, so we we felt like staying in Idaho was a better idea for for him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we talked to leadership here at MAF and they say, hey, we have a position open at the safety department. Would you like to work for the safety department? And I have always been excited to work at the safety awesome. because there's something about safety that I don't know is exciting I don't know I just feel like I, I just wanted to be part of it when they yeah. said that my wife was like you have shared with me many awesome. times that you would love to be in safety and I'm like okay this is easy one I love it so I can't we we were in Nashville Tennessee when we had our boys we were there raising support we made our uh, we made ourselves back here again <laughs> yep. another move yep and uh, yeah and we ended up at the safety department there for about two years cool um an assistant safety manager and director of safety awesome and uh i did that for that time and then after two years it's interesting i was feeling during that time you know i was excited to be here and the the lord was using me but at the same time i was discouraged because Mm -hmm. the lord was calling me for mission aviation to fly airplanes to use those gifts that he's given me to glorify him, to share the gospel with those. Why am I sitting on a cubicle and <laughs> an, an, an office? Yeah. And I, I didn't see my purpose there. And I was yeah. just very discouraged at times, not always. But I will always come back home and my wife will always encourage me and be mm. like, you know what? This is where you wanted to be, you know? Yeah. You always felt called to MAF. And that's what kept me hanging. Mm. It's like, I am in the Lord's will. I know for sure cool. because he called me here. Yeah. And after two years of no flying yeah. wow. at all, oh. um, the flight training department invited me to join their team. Yeah. 
And I was so excited. I didn't take too long for me to decide that, yes, I want to do that. I, yeah. Of course, my wife and I prayed, but it was obvious we we, we knew this was the place for us. So mm. We joined the flight training department, and uh, I've been here for the last two years. I've been working with the yeah. training department. Yeah, That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I could not imagine feeling like your purpose is to fly airplanes and then to yeah. be behind the desk. Like I'm <laughs> really, really, I love playing basketball. I coach basketball. And I could not imagine somebody telling me like, hey, yeah, you're not going to be able to play, coach, do it. Like you, you're just going to have to <laughs> take a seat on the sidelines for two years. Like I would lose my mind. Mm. And so I would imagine that getting back in an airplane and getting getting behind the yoke would probably was probably just like, oh, I'm back where I belong. Like this, yes. is, this is what I want to do. That's actually right. Yeah, yeah. that's I how you it. felt. Um, let's talk about your, your current role. So you are a flying instructor. Um, I know that you do training. I, you've run an aviation 101 class for people <laughs> like myself who have no idea about aviation, uh, to teach us a little bit here at headquarters about what it looks like to fly an airplane and how that works. And, um, I know that you do some of that. You do uh, training both for staff members that are coming on to staff. That, that um, You do some evaluation. You mentioned technical evaluation earlier, which is uh, a process that uh, people go through that want to be MAF pilots. Uh, they come through and, and they're evaluated based on their skills that they currently possess to see if they have um, the, the skills and, and the certifications and the qualities that, that we're looking for in order to, to train them to be MAF pilots and so you do that piece of the puzzle all the way through um, helping people uh, once they're here to learn how to fly the way that MAF wants mm -hmm. them to fly and all the way through to people coming back and maybe getting current on some of their certificates and you kind of hit a bunch of different areas uh, talk a little bit about that space like I know that you are even uh, really involved with um, training staff members from other cultures I know that you've had uh, People like, uh, I believe Zachary was probably one of your yeah. uh, students, Zachary Francois from Haiti. And uh, that's a really cool story of his. But also all the way through, uh, we've had people from Indonesia coming through and the Netherlands and all those people. I'd love for mm -hmm. you to just touch on your role. I kind of touched on a lot of it. But yeah, you kind yeah. of did. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I know you a little bit more than I thought. Yeah, you actually, I was like quite surprised. I'm like, wow. Knows I did my research. Role, yeah. <laughs> well, um, my role is quite different here at MAF. Um because of the um, the training that I do for foreign students. Mm. Um, we have a Cessna 172 here um, that we use for training. It's used mostly for FAA uh, license conversions. Cool. Um, you know, uh, people come here from the Netherlands or anywhere in Europe, and uh, they need to fly our airplanes or maybe fly on one of our programs that mm -hmm. is a Part 135 program. Yeah. And they need to be FAA licensed pilots, yeah. But they're not. So when they come here, what we, what I do is I give them training, um, and uh, the private certificate that can be paperwork. You know, we just do easy paperwork and it's done. But then they need to do an instrument rating and a commercial uh, check ride, which is uh, the test yeah. to become FAA pilots. So I train them to do that. Cool. And the training that I did in Nashville helped me so much with what I do here. Totally. Uh, because that's what I used to do. Yeah. And uh, so we do that in the 172. And then they transition to their 135 program or uh, wherever the Lord uh, is leading them to go. Yeah. Um, so I that's one of the trainings I do, the FAA license conversions. 
Uh, I do the technical evaluation, as you mentioned. Uh, whenever you want to join the organization, you get all your qualifications complete and everything is done. And the recruiter says, okay, you're good to come to MAF. And mobilization training invites you over. And it, the technical evaluation is basically an interview. You know, mm. we, we test different things. Uh, we verify that you are knowledgeable about mm. certain areas, aviation, uh, that you have the technical skills, fly the airplane. And during that time, if you're AMP as well, they go and take an AMP test as well, yeah. uh, and uh, a psychology test during that time too. And uh, if you pass that technical evaluation, then you're invited for candidacy, which is another, basically inviting you to find out who we are yeah. and if you want to join us. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I do that. I do basic indoctrination. Uh, I'm starting to do that now. Cool. Um, so I, we do that on the tool six, and the basic indoctrination is basically teaching you how we fly yeah. safely, how we do this. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at our videos online, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, how can you can take a, that small airplane to? That's incredible! Like that's not safe." I think that yeah. I watch these videos all the time, <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> but it's actually quite safe because we build a lot of margin in everything that we do, yeah. and uh, so. But we teach that during the course of basic induct. Cool. So that's one of the things I do as well. And yeah, the international program, which is basically, you know, we have people, like you said, in, from Indonesia, from Haiti, from the Netherlands. We got people from uh, Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. And they just want to find out, can we be pilots for MAF? Yeah. So they come and kind of get a little bit of an evaluation in the Cessna 172. And I can tell them where they're at. Cool. Whether if they, can, if they need more training or if uh, they're ready for awesome. technical evaluation, things like that. And people that come over from overseas and they need a proficiency check, things like that. People are being piloted for, with us for a long mm -hmm. time. I do those too. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. One of the things I just love about MAF um, that we touch on a good amount, but uh, the, the local staff or the national staff that we employ in the country that we serve in. And I love the fact that um, people that uh, have worked within our programs, uh, sometimes have a passion that's like, man, I want to be a pilot too. And we give them that opportunity for them to come. And yeah, like you said, they get a chance to come look and see if uh, they have the skills currently or if they need to go and get a little bit more training or, mm -hmm. or what. And it's, it's just so cool. Like I think of Zachary Francois so much of just like the, the fact that he is now going to be able to, when we reopen the, the Haiti program, whenever the Lord lets us do that, um, to be able to serve in the country that he's from, and serve his people is just going to be such a cool full circle moment. Like you were a part of that. Like you were a part of his story coming, uh, coming to AM, uh, MAF, whether it's through his, his mechanics and AMP licensing and uh, helping out with that all the way through to checking him out and being like, now you're, you have what it takes to be an MAF pilot. And, yes. Uh, that's such a cool piece of the puzzle. And that's an encouraging thing because I really felt like I am a mentor hmm. here cool. and that the Lord has called me to speak life. Yeah. And, uh, that's that fulfilling promise right there. I feel mm. like I have been able to mentor and speak life to them and they can go out there in the world, right, and and do yeah. the same. Yeah. Mentor others and speak life to them through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about um, your role, who you are as a person. Uh, I'd love to get to know you a little bit beyond the office, right, and be, or I should say beyond <laughs> the cockpit. Um, talk to me about, like, What's a day outside of the office look like for Eric? 
parodies though. What, I do a stand-up comedy. No, oh, I was kidding. I, was I, was like, kidding. <laughs> I, I would believe it. I think it's funny. <laughs> no, no, I don't do stand-up comedy. Yet. Um, <laughs> People are probably behind <laughs> watching on their computers, just like, like yeah, that guy's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Anyways, no, I um, I like to spend time with my family. Um, you know, outside of MAF, that's what I do. I would go and and take my boys out to blast off rockets mm-hmm. in the park. You know, um, I have an RC airplane. I'm still finishing it and hoping I can take it out there and take the boys. You know, I feel like that was very impactful when I was a kid. One of the things I enjoyed doing with my dad. And uh, so camping in the backyard with the boys, I love doing that. Love it. And I took them actually camping last weekend for the first time outside of the backyard. And they did well. So I'm looking forward to some camping trips ahead. So um, I love love playing music and playing worship with my wife. we love doing that together. Um, yeah, softball, playing softball. That's something I like to do outside of work if I have the opportunity. Awesome. And, you know, we try, my wife and I try to be involved in other ministries if we can. Cool. But right now it's a season of parenting. <laughs> totally. It's quite hard. It's, it's just a full-time job in most of, of the time. Most of the time we do is just be parents and totally. yeah, be there for the kids. Totally. You and I talked off camera a little bit about our... Um, the common ground that we have about reading and how we don't necessarily read, which I've already <laughs> said that in previous episodes, and I'm just br- apparently just wanting to bring it back up again. Uh, but you did share that you like to listen to like podcasts and some music, and like like what kind of podcasts are you into? What kind of music do you like to listen to? Talk to me. You know, it's interesting. I like uh, Flying Structure podcast. You know, cool. uh, more Ride Rudder. I like to listen to that. It's for Flying Structures, uh, parenting podcast. You know, um, Empower Homes, things like that. I like those. Any aviation, awesome podcast related. Yeah. Um, um, books. I like not to read books, but I <laughs> I can listen. I can listen to books. So Audible is good for that. Um, anything that is Team Keller related is awesome. is always good. Yeah. I love those books. So great. Yeah. So yeah, those are and music. Music. I, I like to listen to worship a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, what kind of artists are you listening to these days? Uh, Cody Corns is yeah. a good one. You know, I like the We the Kingdom. I yep. like their music too. Awesome. A little bit of rock. Awesome. That. Yeah, but absolutely. A little bit more fun. Not, yeah, not yeah. just always the, the calm stuff, right? Right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, the last question I have for you is um, a little bit more about just kind of your role and, and how you see, um, yeah, your role and your calling being fulfilled. So, you obviously mentioned early on that you wanted to be somebody and that you wanted to do something in this world. And, and I think that you have such a unique space uh, in flight instructing of, of really having impact all around the MF world because of the people that you're able to train and because of the people that you're able to um, help fulfill their calling as well. Um, I guess just kind of like a more introspective question of like, how do you see your impact? Like what, what do you see your impact? Or, or if you were to leave MAF today, um, What's your impact like? What I would mm. just love to hear kind of more about how you feel like you are being used um, in the MAF world all from headquarters. You know, it's a good question. You know, I, I've, I think that making disciples, mm. I think that I'll be happy to know that I made disciples and mm. I send them out there to serve mm. around the world to the ends of the earth. Yeah. I think that that's the main thing I will take um, from that, you know, that to know that, you know, they went out, out there and shared the gospel and share, and as a result, they saw people, isolate, isolated people change their lives. Yeah. As, and 
we do that through aviation, you know, yeah. by bringing, by working together, bring help, hope, and healing, mm-hmm. you know. So um, just the fact that I know I did that, mm-hmm. that brings fulfillment to me. Absolutely. And um, yeah, and now it's always exciting to hear from my students later on. It's like, hey, look at what I'm doing. Or, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, listen to this story. that And, and uh, to know I was part of their journey, that was that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'll be happy if I leave MAF today because I know I did the, the work. Absolutely. But I'm not leaving MAF. No, I didn't no. think you were. Okay. I, if it helps, I don't <laughs> think either one of us are. So um, there's that piece of it too. But uh, yeah, I just think like, yeah, you're, if I can encourage you at all, I know that this is a podcast for everybody else, but I'm going to use this for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the, the impact that you are having is going to be generational right because the work that you are doing to train pilots to make sure that um those people are serving in a safe and and um, responsible way that are flying airplanes in the way that we need them to fly and and doing it in a safe manner uh, is impacting people all around the world and it's Mm. changing communities right the the way that our our pilots are interacting with people and the people that we're able to bring into these these places of isolation um you're allowing that to happen. And that's really cool that, that there are going to be people for decades to come that will be because an MAF pilot was able to bring a Bible translator to this place. And that MAF pilot happened to be trained by you. That's mm. pretty, pretty cool. So well, I'm glad that the Lord is using me and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, in, it's amazing to know that your impact locally can make an impact globally. Hmm. And, you know, I don't have to worry about whether if I can go overseas or not, knowing that I can make an impact here today. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, that's the perfect ending to our podcast. So, um, <laughs> Eric, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for taking the time to share your story and, and to open yourself up to sharing your past and also sharing kind of what the future looks like for you as well and, and just hanging out. I always love hanging out with you. Yeah. So, thanks, uh, man. With that. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch or listen. Uh, If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure that you're subscribed. Click the notifications bell. Yes, I'm hitting you with the things that every YouTuber says, but I'm going to do it anyways. uh, Just to remind you that hopefully you won't miss an episode like this because I don't want you to miss this. Uh, If you're listening on Apple, if you're listening on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, and you want to see the set, by all means, come to our YouTube Mission Aviation Fellowship. uh, Take a look at our set, or you can just keep listening to us. Hopefully we're encouraging you and, and fun enough for you to keep listening uh with that being said thanks so much for taking the time to hang out once again this is uh from the hangar my name is nathan and we will see you soon for episode four this is episode three and we are out of here thanks